Praise God. Mark 3, 22. And the scribes which came down from Jerusalem said, He hath Beelzebub, and by the prince of the devils casteth he out devils. He called them unto him, and said unto them in parables, How can Satan cast out Satan? I just want to stop here just a minute and explain what Jesus was saying. Uh, He hath Beelzebub, and by the prince of the devils casteth he out devils. Beelzebub is a word that's used, or name that's used, to describe the prince of the devils. How can Satan cast out Satan? It's not talking about one person casting out, or one devil casting himself out, but it's literally meaning how can the devil go and cast out demons, see, other demons. Now, there's a question mark on that. And the reason why I want to explain it like this, because I think if you, as you look in the context of the Scripture, you will find that Jesus was not saying that it was impossible for Satan to cast out Satan. He's saying it does not accomplish what he's trying to accomplish. And listen to what he says. And if a kingdom be divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And you know, kingdoms do divide themselves against themselves. And if a house be divided against itself, that house can not stand. And if Satan rise up against himself and be divided. Now when it says himself, it's talking about devils. That is his own particular force. And be divided. He cannot stand, but hath an end. And no man can enter into the strong man's house and spoil his goods, except he will first bind the strong man, and then he will spoil his house. Now, what I want to do tonight, I want to talk to you about a divided house or divided body. Now, this is a message on unity. Now, when I say a message on unity, I have a little bit different slant to this. I'm not just talking about people getting along with each other. So please keep that in mind. That's not what we're saying at all. Now, Jesus said, Can Satan cast out Satan? Verse 23. And then he goes on to explain... If a kingdom be divided against itself. What he's saying, it wouldn't be practical for Satan to cast out Satan. Or for the prince of all of the forces of hell to go and cast out his own members. That wouldn't be practical. And and you see, the reason why that, <clears throat> that Jesus was talking about this is because that he had cast out an unclean spirit. And of course, uh, they said that he was doing it by the spirit of the devil. And they said that he uh, was of the devil. Well, they recognized that the unclean spirits were unclean indeed, and they were demoniac. And uh, so... Basically, what they were saying is that, that Jesus was, was uh, of the devil, and, and he's casting out 
the devil. Jesus said, now wait a minute. Now the devil's got better sense than that. See? He would not ever intentionally destroy his kingdom. See, that's what he's saying. Now, Satan's job is to destroy human lives. That's part of it. And that's part of his purpose. But he uses a united effort to destroy human lives. So the devil is smarter than that. That's what the Lord is saying. So whenever I speak of unity, I'm basically speaking of unity as an organization or as a body. Basically, we might be able to classify this message as the organization of an organization or organizing an organization. See, family units or organizations, uh, various departments of our church Sunday school, the campus, these are all organizations. And the word organization comes from the term organ or something that has been given life through union or unity. Now, there are two basic principles in building the particular type of organization, the church, on the face of the earth. There are two particular principles in building a church. And I think that uh, uh, we need to take a look at this. I spent some time on this in, in several recent messages, so our remarks about this will be fairly brief. But... In James, the second chapter, and oh, how I do love the book of James, and you know that I do, because I, I think it, it, it relays to us some very fundamental facts that uh, a lot of people miss out on. <clears throat> Verse 17, even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Now, if you look in verse 26, for as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. Now the church is the body of Christ on the face of the earth. Now God has given us faith, but the body needs works also. What you believe determines what you do. What you understand determines how you respond. Now, this is something that, that is so, so important. You see, inside of us, there is an inner man. And that inner man is what he is according to his character or substance. And faith is a product of the character of an individual. Now, it doesn't make any difference what we want to say. A poor charactered or an immoral charactered individual may have faith but not faith in God as they need to have and cannot manifest that faith until they turn toward God. Now, so the two basic principles of building the body of Christ on the face of the earth of the church, faith and works. And if you separate faith from your works, then the body is dead. See, he's talking about the physical body. 
And then he talks about the body of Christ on the earth. Now, <clears throat> the body is made up of body and soul. And that's what he's saying down here. Or spirit, rather. And, and when the Bible speaks of death, death really means separation. That's exactly what it means. In the Greek, when you find the word death, it simply means separation. So here is a lifeless body. Something has gone out of that body that causes that body not to pulsate, that takes life from it. So there is separation. And for each of us to be complete, then we must have two basic principles operating in us. Faith, that is a direct result of the character of Christ in us that causes action. And, uh, you know, as much as, as we hear about uh, faith and, and works and as much as it's defined by many religious organizations that works don't really count, uh, the Bible does speak against works, but it only speaks against one kind of work, and that's dead works. And that simply means trying to do something when you really don't have the inner faith to motivate it. See, the church was never designed to operate solely upon discipline. While discipline does play an important part, we must find its proper place. You just can't operate your life solely upon discipline. In other words, we have a leader of the rest home service services. And uh, the rest home leader turned in this announcement tonight. And what happened was uh, uh, he gave us he gave us the schedule of speakers, Jim Larson, Sister Luke, and Mike Sandin. Now, <clears throat> you see, if Brother uh, Thomas, if he went to the rest home every week solely upon discipline, and his mind says you you need to do it, and he didn't ever he never did want to do it, and he went there, then that's dead works. Now, I can tell you that what he's doing is not dead works, and that's why he's got this, wow, what an exciting lineup. Does that sound like there's life in it? See, enthusiasm comes from two words. Two words. Enthusiasm. E-N simply means life. And Theo in the Greek is God. Enthusiasm really means life in God or in the Spirit. You see, a lot of people said you can't run a church on enthusiasm. Well, as we understand enthusiasm, you can't do it. But, but, but on the other hand, you can't run it without it. See, I'd hate to know that, that I never got enthused about preaching. And, and I would hate for you to have to listen to me if I didn't get enthused about it. Suppose that I had to do this purely because I knew it needed to be done. Now, you wouldn't enjoy it, would you? And there have been times in which I did not really want to do it, and, and I had to operate on discipline. But you see, after a while, if you do it only on discipline, it begins to show. See, it begins to show. 
And people began to determine that you don't really have your heart in it. So what the Bible says about works is God does not like dead works. He has purged us from dead works. And so, you know, uh, we can do what we do simply because we want to do it. Isn't that right? And there's so many important things that are found in the Bible relative to that uh, impetus in us that causes us. You know, occasionally you gotta, you have to get up and pray whether you want to or not. But I'll assure you that if you never got to the point where you wanted to, you'd stop praying because you couldn't discipline yourself forever to do it. Don't you like to get down on your knees, though, when you feel something bubbling inside and it's pushing those prayers right out? And you, those are effectual prayers. You feel them. They're just rolling out of you. You push them right out. Right out of you. Now, <clears throat> I called your attention a couple of weeks ago to the method in which leaders should be chosen in a church. And I think this is so very vital. And I want to go over it again because it, it fits in the continuity of the structure of what I'm trying to, to relay to you tonight. But the method in which I try to choose leaders is this. You look for certain traits in individuals and you line up those traits. The first trait that you look for in any person who you want to do a job is dependability. How dependable is the individual? Now, the reason why I say this because, you see, sometimes you see people jump up and down and they leap and they shout and they, they get all excited in church, but that's the, that's, that's the extent of it. Now, a person who is an extremely reliable or dependable person, now, there's something motivating them. There's something pushing them. Their works, uh, which uh, dependability uh, to a large degree is, uh, their works is motivated by an inner feeling, faith. There's just some character inside that builds faith, and faith, in turn, uh, pushes them, and uh, the body then doesn't just have its way. You know, this old body of ours, uh, it is doomed for destruction. Paul said, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? And that's exactly what the body will do. It will bring death to you. And I'm talking about death to your soul, too. If somehow the inner man doesn't run the body. Quite often, however, the body runs the individual. Isn't that right? They say there's a point in which you drive a car in which you really don't have control of the car. The car has control of you. This is not only true of cars, but it's true of other vehicles. If you, if you drive your car up to a certain speed, there is a point in which the car drives you. You don't drive it. Now, one of the greatest uh, problems that these race car drivers encounter is that they constantly have to work on their mental attitudes and their reflexes so that when they're going 150 miles around the track, they still have control of the car. Because in one moment's breakdown, 
when some little something happens or their concentration is broken, they can flip that thing or turn it into a tailspin and lose their lives. And you see, this is what happens in, in life. The, the body can take over. And to the point where you just, you're always just uh, giving in. I'm tired. You know, I don't feel good. I've got a headache. Uh, I've got health problems. You know, everybody that lives on the face of this earth is going to have health problems. I suppose because I don't know of anybody that's 200 years old. They died of something. You know, isn't that right? You know of anybody that's 200? Come some of our great national leaders don't live. Forever. <clears throat> Someone do great service, but you see the same problems occur. Solomon said there's no, no new thing under the sun. All of these things have been here since the beginning. Every man that's ever lived has had to cope with certain things. See? And so as a result, you look for a person who is dependable, number one. And then, of course, number two, you look for a loyal person. Now, I'll be talking more about loyalty as we go on, but... But a person who is dependable, that's, that, that, that does not function as a member of the body, uh, he's not going to do one ounce of good to the body. See? If you have an organ in your body that stops functioning, it must be surgically removed. Let your appendix go bad. Let your kidneys go bad. Let your liver go bad. Some of you, you say, I can't live without it. You may have to live with a transplant, but when it dies, it's dead. And it will not <coughs> complement that body. And then, of course, the next thing is truthfulness. Oh, how I love the truth. But there are a lot of people who are so truthful. You know, you could just go up to them and say, how, how come you were late? Well, that's, we just have that problem. You know, I've had people tell me that. Uh, how come you didn't show up on time? Well, you know, we always run late. I don't know why we can't catch up. We just all... Now, that, that is an extremely truthful person, but not too reliable. Follow what I'm saying? So if you're supposed to start your service at 7 o'clock, and that person's in charge, and that person doesn't get there till 8, you won't start at 7. So there, you will not accomplish what you... Tried to accomplish. Now, it is so important that we do be truthful, but on the other hand, sometimes we 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 place emphasis on truthfulness, <clears throat> and I I don't think that a man ever ought to tell a lie. I do not believe that uh, there is such a thing as situation ethics. By that I mean uh, it was just it was just. Uh, convenient for me to tell a lie you know I've hurt so many people no I don't think you should ever lie do you I don't think you should ever lie but some people on the other hand they feel that if it's the truth it ought to be told even without a request for it we well, see this is why the in the book of Proverbs it speaks that only a fool telleth all of his heart you know, there's some things that I know that I'd never tell you because you don't need to know it. And some people can hide behind this guise that they're so truthful, you know. Boy, he's a real truthful, honest person. Well, that may be true. 
But you can cause a lot of division with truth. Just by telling things when you ought not be telling them. And then, of course, the fourth thing that you look for is talent. Now, wouldn't you think that you'd put talent first? The man who can do the job. The man who has the ability to do the job ought to be the man doing it. Well, it ought to work that way, but you see, because we wear this body of death, the truth of the matter is, in many cases, the man who has the ability to do the job can't do the job. Why? Because he can't discipline himself. He can't, he can't align himself. But please understand, it's not altogether discipline. But the faith that's inside of us must work its way in our actions. So as a result, we begin to build according to the faith that's in us. Now, <clears throat> you see, the kingdom of God is not built upon, upon feelings, but the kingdom of God is built upon principles. And so many people run their lives on feelings. And uh, the reason why that so many people live contradictory lives, and you may say, well, Brother Grant, I've seen contradictions in your life. I'm sure you have. I sure am working on it, though. I really am. And one of the hardest things in this life to do, and listen to me carefully, is live up to your own words, your own judgments, and your own preaching. This is why we have to be careful when we judge people. Because by the same judgment that you judge others, ye shall be judged. Now, why did Jesus say that? And why did Paul say that in his letter to the Galatians. The reason why he was saying that is because what you expect of others and what you require of others, you have to live up to it yourself because, you see, if you have a knowledge of what's needed, why don't you do it? See, that's the basic principle there. And we have to be very, very careful when we say people ought to do this and they ought to do that because we are really acknowledging verbally that we know really what needs to be done and we know the correct way to do it. So you have to be careful when you when you judge people. Sometimes you're better off just trying to shrug your shoulders and say, I don't know. You know, it is if you have a doubt about it. And if you have a knowledge of it, sometimes you have to be very careful not to just verbalize that all the time and associate it with a, with a uh, particular person because you know what's going to happen? Every word that you speak is tried. Now you go testify to somebody about God healing. And I'll guarantee you, you're, you're going to be tried. I preach a lot of times on healing, got sick the next week. I mean that. I preached on faith, uh, faith, and my faith was tested. I preached on patience. I wanted to have one of the most frustrating weeks I've ever had. Is, you know what I'm talking about? And you talk, on, you talk about moderation in all things. You know, you have to be careful about talking about that around Christmas time and Thanksgiving time. Because <laughs> it's easy to pig out. And pig out for days, you know, where you just... <clears throat> Thanksgiving's over and you wonder who was stuffed, you or the turkey. You know, but, but really, you, you understand why everything you say in this life will be judged and tested. So the kingdom of God must be built upon principles, not upon feelings. 
And when you build your life on feelings, you constantly change your doctrine. Now, when I say doctrine, maybe I should say convictions. I don't think there's very little difference, but for your sake, uh, you might be able to understand it better. You know, you feel very important about certain people doing certain things, but other people you don't feel too important about it. It's not important. It's important that your brother or sister do this, but for me, well, I've got my own reason to why I can't. But he doesn't have a reason, see. Now, maybe some of this doesn't make a whole lot of sense to some of you. But, you see, the the thing about it is the kingdom of God is not built upon feelings, but it's built upon principles. Now, let me show you something in the book of 1 Corinthians that uh, would be especially helpful, I think, to some of the newer ones in the faith. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 11. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, what Paul is saying here, this is a very difficult one to explain, so I'll use my tamarind. Here's the foundation. We'll just say this is a foundation. Well, see, we built our our lives upon Jesus. The foundation is Jesus. Now, if you back up to verse 10, the latter part, the sentence at the end of this particular scripture, but let every man take heed how he buildeth thereon. Now the foundation is Jesus. What he's talking about is building on that foundation. So here my building is. Now the foundation is Jesus. And this is what I'm building. Okay? Now if any man built upon this foundation, what foundation? Jesus. Gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or stubble. In other words, if you build gold upon this foundation, Jesus, if you build silver upon this foundation, Jesus, if you build precious stones upon this foundation, Jesus, he's talking about what you build on the foundation. And and so he puts it in six categories. He puts gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and stubble. Now, out of the six of these... How many of these will burn? Now take a look at it. Three of them will burn. Wood, hay, and stubble. Now <clears throat> let's go on down. Every man's work, that is what he builds here. Every man's work. And his work is a direct result of what? His faith. Or his character. Because faith is a product of your character. So every man's character, his faith, that's reflected in his work, will be tried. Okay? Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. Now when it means reveal, that simply means that the quality of the man's work will be revealed. Something's going to come around and reveal it. Now, as a new person in the Lord, you're going to find that God will allow certain oppressions, powers, pressures, 
attacks to come to reveal what you're building. You see? Now what happens, maybe you're getting your life together and you're teaching brotherly love and everything's great. You see, loyalty to God, and we spoke of loyalty, can only be proved in adversity. Now no man, no man can say he's loyal to his wife if he's never tested. You understand what I'm saying? And, and you can't say you're loyal to the body of Christ if you're never tested. Loyalty can only be proven in adversity. In no way. And this, this is a good one for wives and husbands who are here. If you want to find out if you're a loyal wife, please understand that your area of loyalty and submission cannot be proven until one day your husband says, this is the way it will be, period. Isn't that something? Now you, some of you may not accept that, but you chew on that and digest it this week. You come back Sunday if you think I'm wrong and then tell me. Now, I know what I'm talking about. You know that's true. You know, you say he is a very loyal employee because, and you go into it, you know what I told him to do, and I knew that he had a bad cold, and I knew he didn't want to do it, and I knew he wasn't feeling well, and maybe I shouldn't have been too hard on him, but I outlined this airy responsibility. He followed it out right down to the dotting of the I and the crossing of the T without complaining. He's a loyal employee. But when adversity came, if he said, well, I didn't do that yesterday because I didn't feel good. Now, there may be some legitimacy in what you're saying, but on the other hand, you can't say he's loyal. Now, had he come back and said, I just don't feel good and and I'd like to be excused, that's different different when you say, okay, you may be excused. See, that's different altogether. But I'm talking about just openly defying what you've been told to do. Now, you see, when you begin to build, something will come by to reveal what you're doing. That's why I say, preach on faith and see if you aren't tested. Preach on temperance and see if something doesn't try your temper. Now, I said temperance, and, you know, there is an association. Now, in the Bible, when it speaks of temperance, you know what it's talking about? See, you coil up a spring that's made, that has the right character, a piece of metal, that has the right quality and character in it, and you, you get that spring white hot, and you dip it in oil. And the amount of time that uh, it's, it spins in the oil and or the water, some are water quenched and some are oil quenched and such, determines the rock hardness or the tensile strength of it. And what happens is, you, you know, you get it out. Now, 
And then you wind it up and let's say we're making a big clock. Here we got a mainspring of a clock. It's gonna, it keeps its tension, a steady tension all time. But now you let some fire hit that spring and anneal it, take the temperance out of it, or the temper out of it, and what happens? It just kind of goes all out of place. And that's what happens when you blow your cool or lose your cool. You just kind of, you're like the spring that's lost its shape. You know, we say, boy, I sure got bent out of shape yesterday. <laughs> what happened? Some fire came by to try you. And you didn't dip yourself back into the, the wells of salvation, the water, fast enough to keep your cool. Lost your shape. Now that's all going to be tried. And, and the only way that you can tell what you're doing is how you respond in adversity. There is no way. Because it's got to be built, it's got to be revealed by fire. You may say, oh, i tell you what, this man has more patience than anybody I've ever seen. Why? Because everybody goes along with him? No. Because when they don't go along with him, he remains steady to the task. This man has got the mildest temper I've ever seen. Why? Because everybody bows down to him and says, whatever you want is what I do. No, it's because somebody stood up and defied him, and yet he didn't get mad. See, that's the only way you can test the quality of what you're doing. Amen? That's the only way it can be tested. Now, it goes on to, down to say, Every man's work shall be made manifest. Now, verse 14, If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. And the Bible tells us that when the trump of the Lord sounds and we go up to meet him in the air, that every man shall be rewarded according to his works. Isn't that right? Now notice what verse 15 said. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. But he himself shall be saved. Yet so as by fire. Now what the scripture is really saying here is <clears throat> that all of a sudden, let's say, uh, let's use the church for an example. I came here 11 years ago to pastor. All right. I've been pastor here for 11 years. And a lot of you folks have come into the church since I have been here. Let's say that all of a sudden, death takes me. Okay. You get the, the news that Brother Grant has passed away. Here you are. Now, you've got to choose another pastor. Now, <clears throat> another pastor comes in, and he tries to pastor you. But because my basic teachings and philosophy was not right. Oh, I taught baptism in Jesus' name and the Holy Ghost and and the one God message whole and standards as strong as anybody, but let's say that let's say the basic concepts were not right. Somebody else came in to try to pastor you and, and uh, you just couldn't get in the groove. So you backslid. And this one backslid, that one backslid, this one backslid, that one backslid. After a while the church is down to ten, fifteen people. Now, that happens a lot. 
I've seen pastors leave churches. Maybe that would be a better example. A man works 10, 15, 20 years, leaves. Another man comes in. I'm in a good man. But the people just cannot make the adjustment. And so as a result, and of course every man has, has their own philosophy, it's all right for different pastors to view things and see things differently than maybe the man down the road. Now, a lot of you go down to Janesville, and I expect when you go down to Janesville, I expect you to cooperate with whatever Brother Inquis says when you're down there. Young people, when you go roller skating, whatever the rules are, that's what you abide by. When we have ours and they come, they abide by our rules. And there will be some differences of opinion. You said, should those things be? Well, I'll put it like this. I can approve to you in the Bible where they were, even among the apostles. And I suppose they were all saved because there's a foundation under the holy city, 12 of them. In fact, each one bearing a name of one of those men. I guess they were saved. But you see what happens sometimes a man will leave, another man will come in. Now, what happens when another man comes in because he's teaching and he has a different personality and maybe his basic philosophy may vary a little bit. Philosophy, the attitude in which he views certain situations and circumstances. And the people then just cannot, they, they just don't have the tensile strength. They can't take it. And so they, they just backslide. Now it's easy for the man who left to say, Well, I'll tell you what, I really had that going until that man got over there and tore it up. The truth of the matter is, it's more reflective against the man who left than it is the man who came. You follow what I'm saying? I've even seen preachers reach the age of retirement when they retire, pastor a church all their life, one church. All their life. And as soon as they left town, the church closed up. Now, you know, that's no compliment. You know, does that mean the person's not saved? No, Paul says, oh, no, no, the man's saved. He's been baptized. He's been filled with the Holy Ghost. You know, he preached one God. He, but, but you see, his work was tried. What he built was tried. And so as a result, when the fire came, here's hay, here's wood, here's stubble. What happens? There's a barren foundation. And that's it. I don't know how you feel, but I want to put some gold in what I'm doing. I want to put some precious stones in what I'm doing. I want to put some silver in what I'm doing. Do you know that gold, the most precious of all metals, that the way you purify it is by fire? Did you know that they can take one ounce of gold and make it so pure by fire that they can string it out so thin that the string will be almost a mile long before it will break? Can you believe that? It's hard to believe it. And the only way you can get it like that pure is by fire. And it takes literally operation after operation after operation after operation after operation of smelting the stuff and, 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 
and purifying it over and over and over before it becomes that pure. That simply means this, that some things are purified by fire and they get better in adversity rather than worse. Now, we got to move on, otherwise we won't finish tonight. <clears throat> so this is, this is what happens. Now, we want to talk about unity. Now, we're going to tie all of this together a little bit later on. But I want to talk about unity from the standpoint of, uh, of, of, uh, of people working together. Now, <clears throat> I have seen some members of the body become independent. I mean, totally independent. Now, when I say independent, they didn't fuss or fight with anybody. But they were just independent. Now, I want to, I want to point out something I think is, is very valuable for you to understand. You know, I, have, I came out of, as a young man, I attended Assembly of God Church. My mother discovered the oneness message and took us to a, a, a Pentecostal church. We were baptized. She was baptized, rather, and filled with the Holy Ghost. And uh, then she attended an independent church. Now, later on, we, we went to the United Pentecostal Church. Now, I think there are a lot of good, solid, strong, independent men. And I'm not going to be critical. But I want to point out something about independence. Independent churches are only one-generation churches. I'm serious with you. One-generation churches. The largest Pentecostal church in the world was in Stockholm, Sweden. And as long as that pastor's founding pastor was alive, that church remained strong. 22,000 members. That's a big church. But he's gone now. And you know how many people are in that big coliseum in Stockholm? Just a handful. Now, why? Because, you see... <clears throat> The, the church is a body. And you see, you can't take and cut the liver off and lay it out on the sidewalk out there and say, okay, liver, you keep on functioning. You can't do that. You can't cut the heart out and, and hang it up in a tree someplace and say, okay, keep on pumping blood in the body. It will not perform. It can't. It just doesn't work that way. Now, when I say independent, I'm truly speaking of independent. I'm not talking about pastors who are not part of the UPC, who have a fellowship and who get along with people and function well with people. And I'm talking about people with independent spirits. You understand what I'm saying? Just plain independent spirits. You know, they just... Uh, uh, I'm talking about preachers. I'm, maybe I'm speaking to some young ministers who need to hear this. I'm talking about preachers who who get the idea that I'm right and everybody else is wrong and I'm going to do what I want to do the way I want to do it and I don't want anybody to tell me nor help me. You won't live. And if you, and if you have a church, it'll be a one-generation church. As long as you're there, you may be able to keep the people together. Could I say something here? And I believe this with all my heart. A lot of people don't have a church, friend. They just have a gang. Just a whole lot of people hanging around together. 
But that's not a church just because you got people. And put it in the kitchen sink and say, now when I come back, I want the potatoes peeled. You, you know, it just doesn't work that way. And that's why Jesus said a kingdom divided against itself can not stand. It just does not work that way. It really doesn't. It just plain doesn't work that way. Now, <clears throat> I want to uh, point out something that, that I think is, is, uh, is fairly important. I, uh, I just went and pulled this out of a magazine. Can all of you see this? Brother Kirk, can you see this on the back? Just barely, okay? I'll tell you what it is. It's a little girl in a little rocking chair with a doll. Now, the reason why I tore this out, because it is a body. It represents a body. A body. Now, when I say unity in the body, this is basically what I'm talking about. So if you'll turn with me to 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter. I I want to just show you something about this picture. Perhaps this will help you to get the real jest of the Scripture or the tenor of the Scripture. Verse 12, the Bible says, For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many or one body, so also is Christ. Now he's talking about the body of Christ on the face of the earth. Jesus had a body. He was one. The members of his body functioned together. We are the body of Christ collectively, all of us, on the face of the earth. Now, verse 13, For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body. Whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. Now, when it says one member but many, it's speaking not of independent team members, but it's talking about organs that cause and give life or preserve life to that one body. Now, this is the reason why we draw that conclusion. For the foot shall say, because I am not the hand and I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? In other words, can the foot just say, Well, I don't like to be down here on the bottom where I am, so please, somebody, just cut me off. See, none of us would look normal if we were born and where our nose was, our foot was. See? Suppose God gave you a big toe for a nose and put your nose on your big toe. And every time you blew your nose, you'd have to pull off your shoe. (laughs) Now people say, there's something wrong. Isn't that right? There's something wrong. Suppose that all of a sudden, somebody saw you walking backwards down the street, and they found out the reason why you were doing it, because you did truly have eyes in the back of your head. 
they'd say. Hmm. You know, every now and then you see some, some, I saw a man at General Conference. Now he was not, he was, he was adjacent in a building to the General Conference. Had a big flea market going on there. So we came, and before I went in, I just, just went in a door and out another door, and there was a man in a wheelchair. And when I saw this man, I did a backflip. I mean, not literally, but, you know, in my mind, I thought, wow, I couldn't, I really couldn't believe it. I thought he was pulling some kind of a prank. And and some guy was pushing him. They pushed him around on the other side. So I walked over here to see. This man was cut off from here down. Now, I don't know what happened to the man. But he was in a wheelchair. And he was as large as I am. Big, strong arms he had, you know, on the side of the wheelchair. Had on a cowboy hat and long sideburns and... He was talking away, but he didn't have anything from here down. Now, I don't know how he lived like that. But, you know, as, as much as you want to appear normal around somebody like that, you can't. I mean, you really can't appear normal, you know, around somebody like that. And, and this is the reason why when, when, when people have some, some apparent physical disabilities, you know, you try your best to appear normal around them. And you really, you, you don't try to to uh, in, in any way make them feel that they're conspicuous and, and, and so forth. You, you don't try to do that. But you know, every now and then somebody will walk up at you and, and, and maybe they'll talk and they look off out, out here say, how are you doing, Brother Felix? You know, and, and you would say, focus your eyes in on me and talk to me. You know, something's wrong with that body, you know. You, you know that there is. And, uh, and, and you're trying to be normal and trying to carry on a normal conversation. You know, I've gone down to the uh, to the hospitals, and I've gone into some of the psych wards, where where people could they just couldn't they couldn't carry a train of thought. You know, you go in there, and uh, and uh, here's this girl who's been on drugs. She walks up, and 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 she she shakes my hand, and how are you? She said, "Are you my sister?" Now this really happened to me, and I said, "No, I'm not your sister." Well, you sure look like my sister because my sister was always so beautiful. And I say, uh, well, huh, thanks for the compliment. Yeah, but I was talking about my sister, you know. Uh, it, it's really nice out today, isn't it? And they say, yes, Christmas is really coming. And I said, oh, about Christmas. I said, you think you're going to have a good Christmas? Well, if it don't rain tomorrow, I will. You know, and and you say, well, is it predicted to be rain? Are they going to? Is it going to rain tomorrow? Well, I didn't know she went to town so early. And I said, who went to town? Santa Claus. You know. Oh, you mean Santa Claus went to town? Uh, yeah. Well, how did he go to town? I think he went down this long chimney. You know, and and you can't carry on a decent conversation. You know, and so you say, well, <clears throat> you know, the Lord is good to all of us. Isn't the Lord good to all of us? I, I really think he's going to get well. I've been real concerned about him. Who? My uncle? Oh, I thought we were talking about the Lord. No, Uncle Joe is so nice and so kind. Oh, who's your Uncle Joe? Well, that sure was a nice weekend we had last week. You know, you, you can't, you, what, what's going on here? 
you know. You can't really get down. And you see, you feel so funny. You don't know how to talk with them. You say, well, wait, this is not working. Something's not working. See, that's what Paul was saying about the body, you know. He said, you know, you, you cut off the hand and, and, and you lay it out on the sidewalk. Now, that hand's not going to fight with you. You know, you can go by that hand every day. You know, you can put your hand right down there by, put your stub right down there by that hand and say, okay, we sure look complete, but that hand's not going to move. It's not complete. It's been severed. It's just not complete. See, <clears throat> that's what he's saying there. Now, let's go on. Okay? And if the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? And if the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? But now have God set the members, every one of them in the body, as it hath pleased Him. We're made in the image and the likeness of God. The reason why my nose is right here is because that's the way God wanted it. And the reason why my ears are on the side of my head, God wanted them there. And the reason why that He put my feet down on the bottom is because that's where He wanted them. And that's what Paul is saying. This body is made up of many life-giving organs that help the body function in a place of normality and regularity. Now, he goes on to say, <clears throat> notice this, verse 30, uh, 25. Now, he said, why are we teaching all this? That there should be no schism in the body. Now, that's talking about division. Now, basically, now this is a picture I tore out of Good Housekeeping magazine <coughs> before I left. This is a little girl. I'm going to take and I'm going to tear this. Okay. Now, <clears throat> here's the top place. Now, this body, this picture has been divided, or I say this little girl has been divided. Now, I can put it back together here. It looks complete. Does it not look complete? But you see, it really is com it, it isn't complete. It's still torn. And you see, some people, when they think about division, they think that, that this is division right here. You see, where the head's down, where the foot ought to be. See, now Paul did talk about that. He did talk about those that type of division. See? He did talk about that type of division. And this represents two saints that are fussing. Right here. Now, on the other hand, you can put it right back together the way it ought to be. You can lay it on a table someplace. It looks complete. This represents two independent individuals. In other words, they kind of stay in their place, pay their tithing, sit on a pew, Clap like everybody else claps. Greets everybody like everybody else. But there's no life-giving force that flows from one member to the next because it's been severed. 
You follow what I'm saying? Now, <clears throat> I just want to talk to you some, about something here that uh, I, I trust that you will take this in the right spirit. Now, Jesus said, ye are the body of Christ. Do you know how a body is formed? All of you have taken biology. And, and you that haven't, many of you have taken just plain science in school. Just general science. And, and you learn this. We have some uh, nurses here. You know all about how bodies are formed. A single cell from a male unites with a single cell of a female to cause life. Now, let me explain something. The single cell of a male or the single cell of a female both have life. But not human life. Now, let me explain what I'm saying. Until there is the unity of the male cell and the female cell, there is not human life. But when they are united, there is a different kind of life that's created. And you see, this is what Paul's talking about. you got a man down here that's filled with the Holy Ghost. He's got life. Does he have life? Sure he has. He's got the Holy Ghost. He talks in tongues. He ministers to God in the Spirit in intercessory prayer. The Spirit ministers to him. you got another man over here. He does the same. They both have life. They, where did they get that life? They got it from God. For God is a source of all life. Whether it be cattle life, whether it be plant life, God is the source of all living. That's where that brother got his life from God. That's where this one got his life. He got it from God. But what Paul is saying, there can never be the proper kind of life that there should be until that single member unites himself with this member so that there is a common bond of life that flows from one cell to the next. And the body of Christ cannot and will not function on the face of the earth. That cell that's extracted from the male's body and from the female's body will die unless unity takes place and cannot live over a short period of time. It cannot live. And this is the reason why the Bible places so much emphasis, whether it be demon spirits in the demon world. He said, it what does not make sense. Satan's got more sense to know that he should not create division in his own. Members, every demon in hell has a purpose and a place 
And every member of the body of Christ has a ministry and a place. But that ministry cannot function complementary to the body of Christ until there is the union. And through a loving relationship of a man and a woman, the two single cells are put together to form a different kind of life. And until such a time that the body of Christ, brother to brother, member to member, can bond himself with a cohesive love of God and a relationship of this nature until life from one flows to the other, the body is divided and cannot do its work. This brother and I may never fuss. We may never have a cross word. He may never gossip on me and I may never gossip on him. He may never tell one lie on me and I may never tell one on him. We may sit across the table in fellowship. But you know it takes more than that. There has to be a bond of love. You know quite often I hear people say, Oh, I, I'll tell you, God just, he just gave me so much love I can tolerate anybody. Listen, he's not talking about toleration. I'm serious with you. He's not talking about toleration. He's talking about agape love, true love, that bonds the members of the body of Christ together. Why did Jesus say, by the love that you show one to another, men will know that ye are my disciples indeed. I see... <clears throat> A lot of people think unity is really the ability to just get along with people. That is not what the Scripture is telling us. More to it than that. That's why Jesus say, said things like this. Do not even the publicans do these? What say you more than the publicans? Do not they even do this? Isn't that what he said up on several gates? He said, they bless the people, bless them. In other words, they know how to get along with people. They, they can do it. But he said, it's going to be different with you. Because the only way that this body... You know, <clears throat> what do you think holds all these cells together? I don't know how many cells are in my hand. Something's got them all stuck together. They're all glued together with something. There is a life-giving source that holds them all together. You know, you just can't walk up like this and just throw your hand down and all of a sudden the cells just splatter all over the place. They kind of stick together, don't they? Wouldn't that be something if all of a sudden you went and, and you just got upset or something and you stomped on something and all of a sudden your foot just splattered and just went off and just disintegrated? Just the cells all divided. Where are they? Man, millions of them going every place. What holds them together? Life, because you see, when death comes to that body, friend, they won't stay together. Corruption set in, sets in. They won't stay together. They'll rot. You know, I want somebody to go down and get the young people now. Who? Brother Weekly, would you go down and get them? 
Okay, Brother Sandman's over there. He says he'll get them. Now, the reason why that I want to do this <clears throat> is because I want us tonight, if we can, to appreciate and love each other more than ever before. Let me tell you something. I am really disturbed about the condition in our world. Now, when I say disturbed, I am not losing faith in God. But I want the church to be bound together with a cohesive love that makes the church inseparable. Praise God. I know some people think, well, I can just be myself and love the Lord the way I want to, and I don't have to worry. You Listen, you're just dead wrong. You can't do that. I'm sorry. No man liveth unto himself, and no man dieth unto himself. See, God didn't make us islands. Way out in the sea of life. Disjointed from all the continents. No, it's not that way. We're bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh. And when the Bible speaks of division, it speaks of all kinds of division. It speaks of the division where the head's down, where the foot ought to be. But then there's more to it than that. They must be united together. And when the body of Christ is united together, a different kind of life is created in the Spirit. So that that whole body can function together and death will not occur. Praise God. I'd like for all of the elders of our church to stand, if they would. All the elders. And I'd just like for them to come and just kind of gather around down here. Okay, just gather around right in here. Praise God. Oh, hallelujah. <clears throat> We're going to call off the names of other people. Brother Roy Grant is our youth leader like for him to come and stand right in here praise God the reminders our choir director like for him to come and just stand right in here brother gets in charge of our bus ministry brother gets come and stand right in here would you brother Wittenbach is working tonight uh, sister Sue's working too brother Adrian Come and stand up here, Brother Sonny, would you? <clears throat> Praise God. Brother Nelson, come up here and stand. in charge of our ushers. All right. Sister Grant's in charge of our ladies. Where is Sister Grant? In the nursery. You're going to have to come in here, huh? Okay. Come on in here. Praise God. Now we're just uh, just looking out across the congregation here. I think I'm missing somebody. Who am I missing now? He's up here. One of our... Sister Kitty, come up here. She's in charge of our prayer chain. Praise God. 
I'm still missing. We're gonna we're gonna have everybody up here, so okay. This is just the way we're starting, see. All right. Uh, who am I missing? Sister Thorpe works in the office, and Sister Bryant. Where's Sister Bryant? Where is Sister Bryant? Come up here, Sister Bryant. Sister Thorpe, come up here. Sister Seidel, would you come? Okay. Praise God. Now, the reason why I'm calling, you see, we start with the elders. Uh, uh, sometimes we have uh, this idea that, uh, <clears throat> you know, he's an elder. He's a big shot in the church. Now, Jesus said, he that is great among you, let him be your minister. Now, when he said minister here, it's really taken from the Greek word that means deacon. Minister here. He is chief among you, let him be servant. And uh, <clears throat> do you think that, that uh, this body would be complete if all we had was elders? I mean, who would you be a, an elder to? See? See, it takes every person that's here. I mean, every last person that's here. How many Sunday school teachers do I have? You stand up right now. All the Sunday school teachers. Praise God. I want you to just come up here and stand behind somebody here. Why don't we group the ladies kind of together? All the men come on this side over here. If you're a man, Sunday school teacher, get over here. Uh, Sister Grant, come in here. And the ladies on this side. <coughs> How many uh, bus drivers and workers do we have? Come up here. Come on up here. People working in rest homes. Come up here, okay? Bus drivers and workers, come up here. Ushers, come up here. Praise God. All of you, come on. That I've called off so far, okay? How many members of the campus group do we have? Come up here. Praise God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. How many of you teach in search for truth? Come on up here, would you? Praise God. Just like for everybody to stand. We've got so many ministers around here. We've got a place for everybody. And you know, everybody's important. Every last soul here. The men all on this side, okay? Women on this side. Now, we need uh, some couples here to, that have their wives up here. Sister Ida up here. She's in the nursery. Everybody I want's in the nursery. All the rest of you, come on up here. Just get on the side. Ladies over here and the men over here. Come down the middle. Okay. Brother Manley, step out here. Your wife is over here someplace. Yeah? <laughs> Brother Thomas. Where's Brother Thomas? Now, he's not in the nursery. Come over here. There she is right here. Okay. There we go. Sister Rossing, is she in the nursery? She's not okay. Step up here. Brother Glenn, come over here. 
Now, the reason why we're going to do this is because we're going to unite the men and the women together. Everybody's going to be united together. We have anybody else, uh, one of the elders here? Uh, Brother Thorpe. Where's Brother Thorpe? Right there. Come over here. Here's your wife. Okay. <laughs> yeah, there we go. All right, now all of you sisters come over here and just join together. Lay your hands upon the sisters here. And you husbands and wives, connect yourself together here by holding hands. Elders, come on close right here and lay your hands on these couples. You know. Praise God. You see, your hand reaching out is symbolical of the bond of Christ and the life of the Lord that flows from one member to the other. You know, sometimes we think that, you know, well, I, like I said before, I can just uh, do my own thing and and that's it. No, you can't. I'm sorry, you just can't do it. But there has to be a life-giving source that pumps from one member to the next. The cohesive love of God unites the body of Christ together upon the face of the earth. Let's allow right now that love of the Lord to flow from one to the other. As we pray one member for the other, the Bible says we ought to do that. For a kingdom divided against itself can not stand. Oh, hallelujah. We're believing right now, Lord of heaven. That there will be a common bond of love that unites us all together. There is a different form of life created now, Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. My Lord and my Savior, I trust and pray right now. That there indeed would be a bond of love flowing from one member of this life-giving church to the next. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. May we feel it. May we enjoy it. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Bind us together, Lord. Bind us together, Lord. Bind us together. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. My Lord and my Savior, my Lord and my Savior. I love you, God. 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 You know, just let me stop you just for a moment. 
You know, the body is such a complex thing, but such a beautiful thing. You know, there are certain glands in your body, the thyroid gland, that, that gives balance in, in the body. There are poisons that are removed through some other organs. There's uh, fluids that flow into other parts for digestive purposes. Uh, the eyes keep you from getting run over by semis and such. The ears pick up sounds that perhaps sometimes the eyes can't even see because you're not always in the light. See. You smell things. God put all of these things in the body. We all have a different function. We really do. You know, I look out across this congregation. It really, it's such a beautiful thing. Praise God. We need Brother Sonny's smile. Don't we need it? I mean, we really need his smile. Praise God. We need the soberness of Sister Ellen. We need that. We need the congeniality that we see in Sister Colleen. We need the vivacious spirit of Brother Crowder. Well, I mean, we need it. I mean, we really do need it. We need the straightforwardness of Brother Rossing and the finesse and charisma of Brother Thomas. I mean, we need all of these. We need men with tough hands and some with gentle handshakes. We need decisive men and delicate ladies. We need it all. I say we need it all. We need the high tenor voices and the low bass voices like Brother Thorpe's. There must be 10 million miles difference in the range of Bill and Carolyn as far as their voices are concerned. But together, they have a beautiful family. And you see, that's what makes us all what we are. And when one member suffers, all of us suffer. The worst pain I've ever had in my life was an earache. I had it last week. Really. You know what it did? It kept all of me in the bed. I couldn't just leave my ear in the bed. It's sick. Going to get up and go on. Can't do that. God's just kind of wrapped it all up and He says, okay, but this is what I do. I also put healing powers within the body itself. 
If there's an infection that takes place in your toenail, friend, all kinds of tanks and grenades and bombs are dropped in that area. A war takes place as it begins to heal itself. That's right. Sometimes some foreign object gets in the body that's not needed there. The body will fester up and dispose of it. That's right. That's what happens sometimes with some members who just can't unite. The body says, well, we're going to reject this. Isn't that right? We're going to reject it. It's not the spirit and attitude's not right. So we're going to we're going to push that thing out. But everything keeps us in balance. Now, isn't this a beautiful thing? I don't know if you feel like this. You know, I can see I, I see such a beautiful relationship at times. You've never seen. Two people of such opposite personalities as Sister Bryant and Sister Rowe. But they're always together. <clears throat> and one of them's always helping the other one. <clears throat> isn't, that, isn't that something? That's just the way it works. Hallelujah. Now, once again, let's appreciate what we feel here. Oh, Saralaliamokundalamata. We love you, God, and we're very, very grateful and thankful, Lord, for the power of the Holy Ghost. <clears throat> oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. You know, I, you feel it too. When brothers and sisters are bound together in a common bond, there is a different kind of life form. Just like when a husband and a wife become one with each other. They're, 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 there's a different kind of life form. A husband and wife can live for, together 50, 60 years, and one member dies. And you would be surprised at the emotional upheaval that's created in the life of the remaining member. I've known of a lot of doctors saying, the death of the husband caused the death of the wife. Were they grieved to death? Not necessarily grieved to death. It's just that the bond was broken and, and they were not complete. When the Bible says we are complete in Him, this is what it's saying. There is a, there is a flow that comes through from member to member that makes us complete. 
Hallelujah. <laughs> glory, 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 glory. Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, praise God. Let's sing the chorus. Bind us together. Sister Grant, can you start there? Bind us together, Lord, bind us together with chains that cannot be broken. Bind us together, Lord, bind us together, Lord, bind us together with love. Now here's how it sounds without the men, all the women. Now this is how it sounds without the women. Bind us together, Lord. Bind us together with cords that cannot be broken. Bind us together, Lord. Bind us together. Bind us together with love. This is how we all sound. Bind us together, Lord. Bind us together with cords that cannot be broken. Bind us together. Together, Lord, bind us together with love. You know, somebody might ask, are, are we having any schisms in the body? You know, I don't really know at this time of one division in this body. I mean that. I don't know of a one. But you can always appreciate it when it's like this. Praise God. I want to give you the request for prayer. Then we want you to just shake each other's hand and have a love fest. And then we want you to kneel and pray. If you have to go home before you go to bed, take these requests.
to the Lord.